This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. It feels like when I get in the car at the moment, it's rare to do a full drive without experiencing or witnessing aggressive driving. Anything from tailgating, throwing your hands about, tooting, just general anger on the roads over nothing. Jeremy Story Carter, part of the National Regional Reporting Team, it feels like the roads are more aggressive and I'm pretty sure it's not because I'm a bad driver. (laughs) I can't speak to that, but I, I feel the same thing and I personally feel that that sort of experience of having you know, someone go off in your rearview mirror or swerve aggressively in front of you when you're driving to work, that's unpleasant enough. That can leave you stressed, can affect you in sort of different ways. But we know these things can actually escalate Mm. as well. And just this past week, there's actually been a couple of high-profile incidents where people have ended up in hospital and seriously injured because of road rage. Yeah, absolutely. And it just feels like it is so common now. And we're not making that up. That's not in our heads. Victorian researchers, who we're going to speak to a little later on the program, researched this and they found that the driving environment is becoming more aggressive and that's both just gradually but also interestingly as a direct result of COVID-19 and lockdowns. So if it is becoming more common, what can we do? Like who can we report it to? If you call triple zero, can the police do anything? So do you feel more aggression on the roads? Have you experienced road rage? And do you, do you feel like there was actually something you could do about it? Should there be a better way to report aggressive driving? And if we could, would this reduce the level of road rage on our roads? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter are part of the National Regional Reporting Team with you. Road rage, it is everywhere at the moment. I feel like not a drive goes past where I don't see or witness some level of aggressive driving. What is going on? It's not nice. It's not nice. And you you kind of can feel that temperature just raise a little bit around you and it, it kind of comes from nothing as well. Like a, a simple lane change can be the prompt for this kind of like hands up and, and you think, well, that's that's unfortunate. I don't like that. But then someone starts following you a little bit further and you think, oh, this could actually really degenerate very, very quickly. Yes. Well, I have a, a friend and a colleague who was talking about that exact same Experience. It's sort of like, okay, this is escalating. And it, I don't even, they, they didn't even know what it was over. And he had his daughter in the car and all of a sudden thought, actually, I'm not going to drive home here because I don't want this person knowing where I live. Mm. So all of a sudden thinking strategically about what you're doing. And this was in regional Victoria, Jeremy. This is not something that was on punt road. Yeah, and it's it's bad enough, you know, in a city environment and you get given that sort of advice of more maybe if you are experiencing that stop in at, say, a service station or even potentially a police station. Um, but if you're in a, a regional environment, uh, you're driving maybe at night time, those things uh, may not be available to you. I, I remember um, not that long ago, my partner and I were um, driving around late at night after dinner and suddenly a car of, you know, six guys are behind us, did appear like they were probably drinking, came right up behind us oh and gosh. sort of doing the sort of flashing lights thing. And it's completely pitch back everywhere. There's no open you know, businesses anywhere near about 20, 30 minutes from where we're staying. And so what do you do? And we really kind of contemplate it. They're trying to egg you on to go that little bit faster. And you think, well, that's a terrible idea around windy, dark roads. So the strategy we kind of landed on was just just drive very steadily and almost bore them out of it. And eventually they kind of overtook us in this chaotic way and, and initially mm. did that slow down bit where, you know, just to tempt you a little bit more and then sped off. But that's a really, really uncomfortable, horrible. Mate, I've got look at the hairs on my arms because I can. I'm there, and I know. So, did you feel like at that point you could call triple zero? I, I honestly didn't because a we're out of reception, but b like, like what, that's the other thing. What, yeah, and and what would you know an overburdened police station at eleven o'clock at night um, do? And the answer can't just be well, don't drive late at night, which a lot of people do make that choice, but there are unavoidably times when that's going to happen and it shouldn't be that uh, aggressive drivers are making it so that you don't feel comfortable driving at night. That's not the right uh, dynamic. And we're finding 
that if you do call triple zero, unless something has actually happened to you, road rage itself isn't a crime. So unless you were physically hurt or there was some damage that occurred to your car, where does road rage fit into reporting it as a crime? Angela in Forest Hill says, I actually believe the increase in road rage is just a part of a bigger problem of aggressive behaviour in general. Teacher abuse, shop staff abuse, bullying at schools and so on. Many people think there's an increase uh, of toxic personality traits as well. You could do a whole program on this. Ron's in Docklands. Morning, Ron. Hi, how are you? Well, what did Hi, you want to say? Well, I think one thing you can do about road rage is when someone's upset, you, you don't actually know why they're rage, enraged. Uh, you're saying sorry. If, if someone comes up behind you and they want to pass you for some reason, uh, you can just courteously move aside, wave to them. Um, you know, I, I just think that a lot of extra courtesy that everyone can do is quite contagious. <laughs> and and I, I find that my own behaviour uh, is something that I can do to control, if not somebody else's. And quite often, well, when somebody's enraged and I actually think about it, maybe, maybe I wasn't going at the speed limit. It's easy for me to pull over and just wave to them and it diffuses them. I, can I speak to that? So I, this is almost a little bit of a confessional because as much as I was talking about being on the receiving end, I had, it was just around Christmas time last year and I had someone cut me off, you know, right as you're heading to do that last bit of shopping that you really hate. Oh yeah, road rage at Christmas time. to do. And I, I have to say it slightly got to me. So this person cut me off and I um, beeped because it was a quite a dangerous situation. They pulled up next to me and I thought, oh dear, this could go south. And the guy was like, hey, really sorry about that, mate. Have a happy Christmas. And that idea of courtesy being contagious, I really, really like that because it really made me reevaluate my own behaviour in that moment and the fact I allowed myself to get a little bit more agitated when that simple response of being courteous after the fact really just diffused the whole thing. Good on you, Ron. Thank you. But then Ron's saying maybe I was going under the speed limit a little bit. I try to sit under the speed limit and I'm a super safe, cautious driver, maybe too much sometimes where maybe it does annoy people, but I always sit at least 5Ks under the speed limit. Sometimes I might even sit a little bit less than that. So driving in on a regional road at dusk where you know there are kangaroos around, I will sit, it was 100Ks, I will sit on 90, maybe 92 because I'm actually predicting <laughs> that there's a very good chance that a big grey is going to jump out in front of me and if I'm going at the exact speed limit it just felt dangerous but people don't like that but I don't have time to explain to them look it's dusk there's a very good chance that a kangaroo is going to jump out yeah and you should that's the right calculus to draw that you're thinking about the safety of your family not hitting a kangaroo um George is uh, out on the road I believe at the moment George um what's been your observations Oh, yeah, definitely agree to the um, increase in road rage. Um, I live in inner Melbourne, but I often go out to uh, regional Victoria as well. So I've experienced both road rage out in the country and inner Melbourne. Yeah, it's everywhere. So I think the, uh, yeah. George, do you know what to do? So if you've experienced it, do you feel like you just think, okay, well, that was a really crap experience. It shakes you up. You maybe go home and talk to a loved one about it and that's it? Or do you feel like... You can call the police. Yes, I do. I call the police, especially if I've got an, an, um, you know, a really dangerous truck driver. I, I often find that um, trucks are driving, you know, I think they're driving a bit too fast. I mean, it's 110 k out of the cold out to Bendigo, mm. and I'll, I'll just notify the police and let them know that um, there's a truck driver that I feel it's driving um, you know, a bit out of control. Um, as well as, yeah, inner Melbourne, then yeah. crazy And what, what's been the response if, when you've made those calls? Because I think some of us probably feel like, oh, we shouldn't, you know, as much as, as, much as it's affecting us, we shouldn't be, uh, it, it hasn't risen to the level of, of calling the police. What's the, the normal response from the police been to you? Oh, it's very, very helpful. No, they take down all the details. So um, uh, if I can't uh, get hold of the number plate, I'll give them a description. And, um, yeah, they're certainly interested to know because when you've got such a large vehicle, I mean, anything could happen. If they're doing that to you and you can see them, you know, they're doing, they're going faster than 110 kilometres out in the colder, then, you know, that's, that's, that's quite serious, you know, and they're coming into a town, they're still going fast and you don't know what they're on. Yeah. But, um, 
Whether or not anything's done with that information, George, thank you. Back in 2005, Jeremy Story Carter, there was actually a, a parliamentary inquest looking into road rage and aggressive driving. And one of the ideas at the time was to look at a, a road rage hotline, so to speak. So almost like a the Hoon hotline mm. or the Litter line and whether or not... I mean, I just sort of envisage this message bank of... <laughs> messages that no one gets through. Well, that said, I remember when there was a big campaign around the littering out the car window, so throwing cigarette butts out the car window, and I think even just the knowledge that there was something that you could be dobbed into, I'm just purely, you know, anecdotal, but I, I, I couldn't help but feel that it had quite... An so it's a deterrent. Yeah, because it's one thing to have a law that, or you know, some way for people to be, um, you know, prosecuted around this. But I think it's as much about stopping this behaviour before it even happens. So it feels like something that was a more accessible version of that would. I, I, I fail to see how it, it it wouldn't help in some way. Tradies and middle-aged men are the main culprits, says this text, especially if a lone woman is the victim. And as a woman, I wonder whether or not you are changing your driving patterns and behaviours and if you feel like maybe you are targeted more and are thinking twice about when and where you drive. Eric, well, Eric, you were driving on the Monash. This was just a few years ago. I mean, obviously, it's something that has stuck with you and you experienced road rage. What happened? Uh, it was the first time I actually encountered it, but I was driving along the Monash. I usually sit on my uh, cruise control doing 100 k's, and I overtook a, uh, a slower-moving youth, and no sooner had I overtaken him, and he accelerated, overtook me, and slowed down again. And this happened quite a few times, and it, uh, yeah, it annoyed me. So in the end, I actually ended up pulling over onto the, uh, the emergency lane, the nature strip, and, and stopped, and he did the same about 30, 40 yards ahead of me. And a couple of young guys came out and uh, and started walking towards me, so I felt quite uh, yeah scared. Absolutely. So what happened? Did they approach? Did they come to your car? Well, I actually got my phone out and I I actually rang triple zero, and uh, they were close enough for me to see the number plate. So I reported the number plate, and I think they saw me on the phone because I turned around again, took off. But it was just uh, something that uh, yeah. Left and me feeling very unsettled. I can believe that, Eric. So just to be clear, this, the prompt for this, you're on cruise control, so which I have to say I use all the time, and so mm. you, you then change lanes because you know you're going at a steady speed uh, to overtake. Um, you then move in front, and they clearly haven't liked that. They've sped up and then gone in front of you, and sort of that cycle is just yep. playing out like that? Yeah, just like a game for them. And so what happened, um, obviously, just the mere fact of you being on the phone seemed to be some deterrent, but w w what was your response from police? Uh, well, actually, they, they took the details. They took the details of the number plates, but I dare say nothing actually got out of it. Like, you never find out anyway, but no. it, uh, I just felt it had to be reported. And, Eric, this was a few years ago. I mean, I can't imagine mm. how frightening that would be, that you've been tailgated, you pulled over into the emergency lane, then that car does that as well, and mm. three people get out and walk towards yep. you. Yep. Has that had an impact on you emotionally? Has it made you think about driving and when you drive, how you drive? Well, not really. Because I look, I've been driving for 45 years and I believe I'm a, I'm a safe driver. And I said, because I, I'm on cruise control all the time, I, I know that I'm certainly not slowing anybody down or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it, it unsettled me. That was it. And they were a lot younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry, Eric, that that happened to you. But thank you for sharing your story. That's all right, Michelle. That's pretty aggressive, isn't it, Jeremy? I mean, to have someone go to the effort to pull over and then have three people jump out of the, the car calling triple zero and then not really knowing whether anything happens well, with that. And it speaks to this idea of, of how quickly things can escalate. Yeah. So, um, you know, you may even be witness or experiencing something that is um, really unsafe, but even wanting to do anything in that moment uh, in the off chance that it might provoke something uh, more serious, that can that that's can be really scary. And on the text line, you know, we're we're seeing a lot of different strategies from people, but clearly um, the experience of of women on roads um, and at night and under these sorts of aggressive behaviours, it, it even it, there's there's a sense on on the text line this really amplifies that that fear. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I now put into strategies if I'm driving on my own at night, almost the strategies that I would put into if I was 
walking on my own mm. at night, which I rarely do. And I actually rarely drive on my own at night now. So if I pull up at the lights, for example, at night, I will not look. I will not get eye contact with people at the lights or there's just certain things that I do now because there's just a little bit of inbuilt fear of aggro that's which, out there. Which is interesting because I think a lot of us used to think of our cars as being these little bubbles that you kind of move around in and, and aren't you're likely, safe. you're safe and you aren't likely to um, experience any of that. But uh, yeah, it, it's sad when that starts to filter in. Um, Bev has called through from Bentley. Bev, what have you experienced? Um, so there is a um, intersection near us that's kind of in Hyatt um, and it's not only a roundabout. It's got about five roads, small, small suburb, tiny suburban roads that feed into this roundabout. And it's also got a train line that runs through the middle of it. So it's very complex. I was by myself with my um, uh, young child who is autistic in the back. And I was waiting because the train line, the boom gates were down. I was waiting and there was a guy in a ute behind me and all those feelings just come back to me straight away. Um, And he was um, gesticulating wildly in the background and I couldn't work out what he wanted to do, what he wanted me to do. And he's tooting. He wanted me to drive into the roundabout to wait with my nose up against the boom gate so that he could do a hard left turn into one of the mm. other streets. And he got out of the car and he uh, he started to approach me. I locked the door and then fortunately the boom gates went up and I could drive away. Oh, Bev, I'm so sorry. What did you do in that instance? Again, did you feel like you... Had any power to do anything? Nothing. And because, you know, I'm so obedient, I didn't even think to pick up my phone. Yeah. Because you don't pick up up your phone. It's against the law. (laughs) Yeah. And you've got your child in the car as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really frightening. The only thing I could do was sort of put my elbow onto the lock to lock the car. But it was just luck, I think, for me that, the boom gates went up and I could drive away. I'm so sorry to hear you've had that experience, Bev, yeah. because I can can hear that it, it clearly um, had an effect on you. So um, thank you so, so much for sharing. Yeah, Bev, thank you. This, Rochelle and Jeremy, thank you for this program today. I'm a driving instructor. We're having people at times tailgating aggressively, beeping, harassing learner drivers during a lesson whilst we've got the L plates up. It is most definitely more aggressive on the roads. People's stress is palpable. Cost of living, interest rates, petrol prices, people taking on extra jobs, it is a pressure cooker. I'll be interested to see if people's more aggression can be expressed in more in the up and coming AFL matches. Okay, that's an interesting conclusion there. But Sue, thank you so much. Ashley Kemp is a special counsel. She's a personal injury lawyer with expertise in workers' compensation for motor vehicle accidents. But Ashley, I guess you've been seeing an increase in road rage and people coming to you as a result of road rage. What's interesting is that road rage itself isn't a crime. Some of the actions that people take on as a result of road rage, whether it be punching someone or hitting a car or some kind of physical uh, injury, that is a crime. But road rage itself isn't. So how tricky does that make it for people like yourself? Uh, thanks, Rochelle. Um, I think it's really important to to note that a lot of these behaviours, whilst there's no standalone offence on the statute book or in the common law that's called road rage, a lot of these behaviours may constitute a criminal offence so, or even a driving offence. So certainly things like tailgating or dangerous driving are absolutely things um, that people can be prosecuted for. And obviously if it escalates into things like assault or causing a serious injury or endangering life, those are criminal offences um, that the police very much can and do uh, prosecute. Can I, can I ask specifically on tailgating because that is one that mm-hmm. you know almost every if the text line is anything to go by, a lot of people have experienced. Um, mm. How on earth would you prosecute that? I, I I get that maybe in a dash cam scenario, which some people have, you might have a little bit more evidence. But in the sort of fleeting moments that we have on the road, where you're getting tailgated by someone and there's no other evidence other than your word, uh, how would somebody be prosecuted mm. for tailgating? Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. So my advice to every motorist is if you can install a dash cam on your vehicle for that exact reason. Um, but unfortunately, yes, unless that those kind of actions result in a collision or um, somebody has footage of it, often the police, they can't prosecute those types of things. Lots of people are making that same suggestion, saying I've put a dash cam on. Are you seeing an increase, Ashley, and more and more people having them? Absolutely. Um, we are seeing an increase in people um, doing that for this for that reason. And also, if there is a collision, um, unfortunately, sometimes um, if there's no sort of independent witnesses, the dash cam footage can be really helpful if there's a dispute about who was at fault for the accident. Um, so I guess it's also maybe a comfort factor of knowing that if something does happen, um, you know, there is evidence of what's going on. What is the process, um, you know, if, you, if somebody does actually want to pursue, pursue this, like how likely is your chance of success? Because it is quite, you know, you're taking this thing that happens in a sort of in a moment and suddenly it might become a months long uh, legal process. Like what's the likelihood of success? If we're talking about a a criminal um, a criminal matter, um, I think if there's if there's evidence, and particularly um, as you sort of foreshadowed before, if somebody's been injured or there's been a collision, um, I think the police would take that very seriously. Um, and certainly, I would say that if motorists are seeing you know violent, threatening, or dangerous behaviour on the road, it should absolutely be reported to police. Um, and it was nice to hear your call earlier, um, noting that the police do you know they're very interested to take down the details. Um, when somebody does call through. If we're talking about a, a compensation claim, which is what Chime lawyers predominantly help people with if they're injured in a transport accident, um, that can be a, a longer process um, in, in terms of getting compensation um, for a serious injury. But in terms of the claim being accepted by the Transport Accident Commission, um, that's something that's relatively quick if somebody's been injured on the road um, that can happen fairly quickly. And just finally, Ashley, I mean, there was talk back in 2005 of trying to find a way to reduce these Mm. types of awful incidences by having something like a a hotline, a number, as a deterrent. Mm. I mean, what sort of reform would would you like to see? As much as you want work, this is not how you want people to live their lives. And it can lead to awful things, including injury and death. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've experienced that, you know, I've, he, I've heard some of the callers this morning and listened to their stories and I've certainly had um, maybe not experiences as serious as, as Bev's or Eric's, but certainly scary experiences. I think everyone has or has heard of someone that has. Um, so whilst I think the kind of behaviour that we would sort of colloquially call road rage is probably already covered by existing laws, um, I think there's definitely an argument to say that if a new offence of road rage was added to the statute book, that might might act as a deterrent um, if if there was a way that Victoria Police could, you know, um, prosecute people or issue fines for people that are exhibiting the types of behaviour that, um, you know, might not escalate to somebody actually being assaulted, but are still very, um, you know, threatening and and um, and sort of menacing. Um, it's also worth noting that even if um, somebody isn't physically harmed, um, if there's a threat of, you know, physical harm, that can also constitute an assault that the police um, can prosecute. So um, what, there might be scope for something like a new offensive road rage to be looked at. Obviously, that would be a matter for the politicians to consider. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we... We don't want uh, successful prosecutions necessarily. We just don't want it to happen, um, certainly not as frequently uh, as it is happening. Uh, Ashley Kemp, thank you so much uh, for joining us and lending us your insights. Thanks for having me. James has called through. Morning, James. Good morning. What happened to you? Yeah, so um, I was driving my truck on cruise control, very similar to some of the other stories we've heard this morning. Um, at 110 kilometres an hour on the freeway and overtook a slow car in the left lane. Checked my right mirror before overtaking and there was a car way back, hundreds of metres behind me. But by the time I was getting level and overtaking the slow car, that uh, car that was way behind me was swerving around directly behind my truck. And so obviously doing well above the speed limit. And you're on cruise control, so mm -hmm. you're going pretty steady. You know that you're you know, the right sort of speed yep. to overtake the car on the left, but you're, you've now got someone who's going well above the speed limit. Yeah, so behind it you. Out, the police estimated they were doing about 140 k's an hour. Um, they would, it turns out they were drug affected and uh, were most likely not in control of their faculties. 
they then were upset by me slowing them down from their high speed and attempted to force my truck off the road, which was um, more intimidation, but it was done physically. So they kept ramming the car into the side of my truck. So it was a bit like the Fast and the Furious. And after kind of assessing the situation, just trying to keep my truck um, from being forced into a ditch off the side of the road, um, I then assessed that as he pulled his car out again and I quickly slammed on the brakes, that he missed me and um, I saw his number plate and he then sped off at high speed and with smoke billowing from the car because he totaled his car. And I called triple zero. The police investigated. They found that he borrowed the car from a family member and uh, he was then successfully prosecuted for reckless conduct endangering life. How did that, how long ago was this, James, and how has it impacted you? Yeah, that was six years ago. Wow. And I was injured, which, um, which is how I discovered the whole TAC process. Mm. And that also what was um, what I found out through this process was that um, it, for criminal cases, the the victim has no say in the entire process. So all I provided was a victim impact statement um, and the police did all of the prosecuting on my behalf. Um, and that the so any any of these incidents that happened on the road, um, there was no compensation to me other than through the TAC process. So I couldn't prosecute the guy uh, for attacking me, for example. Mm. And again, that comes down to what rights do we feel like we have? You know, what can we do in these incidences and, and who can we report it to? Just finally, James, I mean, you were driving a, a truck. That was your job. That was your profession. Is that something that you still do now as a result? Yeah, it is. Um, it definitely... for probably two years after that, especially driving the same um, area of the freeway, any time I saw a similar coloured car, it it brought it back to me. And the TAC psychology process is actually really, really beneficial. James, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that, but thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, there's a text here from Penny in Richmond, Jeremy, that says, people are just looking for a fight. I had someone cut in front of me without any indication. Then when I beeped him, he slowed down at every intersection and tried to stop me from turning right. I had no idea what was going on. Some research has been done into the fact that this is not in our heads. We are experiencing it more. So why is that? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. My name is Jeremy Story Carter. Rochelle Hunt is with me, as are many, uh, many of you on the text line, mm. uh, relaying your experiences of uh, road rage and just really uncomfortable things on the road. I will say that for every, well, 10 or 20 texts of people expressing a, a real concern around this area and a uh, you know, whether it's personal experiences or just that observation that things are getting a little bit more aggressive on the road, there is the text uh, that comes in every couple of minutes that's a sort of t- one literally said toughen up Cinderella's or get out of the right lane type vibe, which I feel like slightly misses uh, the point. And to put it in perspective, there's this text from Lee that says, "Look, it is much more. Uh, there is much more aggression on the roads. I've given up transporting injured wildlife because my driving a little more slowly and cautiously for the well-being of the animals was causing so much rage in others. It's now too dangerous." Equally, a text from Henry who says, "I'm a farmer moving large machinery on roads, r- roads, and the abuse we get is unreal." These are real things. These are not people out no. there trying to annoy you or trying to slow down your journey. These are just very real things well, people have to do. There was a tirade of abuse to me on saying that going 95 in 100k is dangerous driving. People didn't like that. I beg to differ. I do. And you know, around Roos, if you've ever seen what happens to a car when it hits a kangaroo and you've got family in the car, the, you're making the right call to go slower. Dr Amanda Stevens is a Senior Research Fellow at Monash University Accent Research Centre and has looked into road rage. Amanda, if the full board of calls and the hundreds of texts that are coming in, this is not in our heads, is it? We're getting more aggressive on the roads. 
And, do you know, I think it's fantastic that people are, are calling in and sharing their stories because it's it's a huge thing and everybody has to deal with it. Um, yeah, and it does, research we've done as well, does suggest that, yeah, people people are feeling that the, the culture is a bit more aggressive on the roads. And I think one of the problems with that is one of the main reasons people are aggressive on the road is when they feel it's part of the driving culture. So we're almost stuck in a loop at the moment. And there'll be people who say, well, there's always been uh, road rage and people have always been aggressive on the roads. But have you seen some sort of animating features of the last couple of years that are actually um, leading to more aggression on the roads? Yeah, look, I think we all know the last couple of years have been (laughs) quite extraordinary. Not great. Uh, And (laughs) not not great, no. And we're all getting back on the roads now as well. So so I think, you know, a lot of the times aggression on the roads happens even before we get in the vehicle. Mm. You know, we sort of, we we get in the vehicle, we're stressed, we're frustrated, we might have left our journey a little bit too late. um, And then something happens on the road and it all culminates in in aggression. And and of late, a a lot of us are more stressed. got more places to go and more frustrated generally even before we get in the vehicle Um, and that's perhaps what we're seeing on the roads as well. Is it gendered in any way? Lots of people sending in texts saying elephant in the room, it's aggressive tradies and lots of women also ringing in and texting in about their experiences. Here's just one example from Elizabeth. She says I was a female on my own whilst driving home, this 37 k's it is to a small rural area from a city. This car tailgated me when I slowed down to allow it to pass they choose chose not to do that did not use the overtaking lanes either if i slowed down so did they the speed limit was 100 k's when arriving in my hometown i did not go home i went to the police station even though it was 11 o'clock at night they even followed me there and then drove away are women being targeted more um, I haven't necessarily seen that in my research, but I know there are certain drivers who do feel um, more targeted and that can be depending on the type of car that you drive or if you're displaying uh, learner plates or probationary plates. Um, so some people do feel a little more nervous on the road um, and feel like people are more aggressive. Um, if, if there is a gender uh, gender difference, we do find that men can express their anger a little bit more aggressively than, than women. But what's really interesting thing is when we ask drivers you know if they get angry on the road and how angry they get um women and men are reporting the same levels of anger and one thing that i think about a lot is uh these things in our pockets that uh we (laughs) constantly are twitching to and you know the victorian police is making a um concerted effort around sort of trying to get people to stop touching their phones during the journey Is there any um, research or understanding into how uh, not only for, say, drivers who might um, miss a light cycle and and frustrate those behind them because they've been on their phone or they've been distracted, but also how phones have actually changed the experience of driving? Because I can't help but feel that it's taken away that concentration to the driving that you might otherwise have, uh, have had. Yeah, and we know that that one one of the key things that, that, that people get really angry at on the road, and, and this makes a lot of sense, is when they think other drivers are, are behaving in a way that endangers them. So seeing other people on the phone um, or other people slower to take off, or I think, as you mentioned before, reduced speed um, is, is a very big trigger for, for a lot of people. And that can happen when people are engaging with their devices as well. So definitely seeing other people on their phones has... Um, yeah, we've seen a lot of that in terms of reported anger um, and that sort of uh, perceived threat, like, oh, I can't trust what they're doing. Yeah. They're swerving behind me there, definitely. What do you want done with your research? How could it help? So we, um, we've we looked into different strategies that can really help drivers, um, you know, sort of deal with their anger. And and I think for us, the key, the key message is that driving is a really safety-critical behaviour and it's very natural if somebody jeopardizes your safety or you feel they're jeopardizing your safety it's very natural to become angry but at that point trying to stop that anger becoming aggression um is is really where you can you can reduce your own risk um and look after yourself so we sort of are saying to our drivers you know make sure you have good journey planning make sure that you've allow enough time so that if there is a slower driver or someone who you think is is blocking you in any way you've got time to deal with it and also um another really 
really neat um, way to deal with it is to actually personalise that driver. I think you had some great examples before of people riding in and going, well, I've got wildlife in my car. So so try to not think that person's out to just get in your way, mm. but maybe there's a reason they're slowing down. Imagine if that was your mum or your kids or someone you care about and there was a reason they were driving that way. I guess that's why we saw the big rise too in the whole baby on board. Makes me want to sing the song from The Simpsons. But <laughs> I just can't say that line without singing that line. But it was just personalising that car, but they have become so commonplace. Amanda, it's really important research. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you. Dr Amanda Stevens, Senior Research Fellow at Monash University Accident Research Centre. And lots of people, Jeremy, talking about, well, I drive for a living and I see this all the time. And I often think that too. I think, gosh, imagine, you know, there's driving to commute or for pleasure or whatever. But imagine if you were on the roads for eight, ten hours a day, how stressful that your daily life would be. Yeah, it's all good to talk about strategies, uh, you know, to get out of rare instances. But if your job requires you to be on the road all the time, well, that is um, going to be pretty challenging. Uh, Mark has called from Glen Iris. Mark, um, what was your experience on the road? Yes, good morning. I was just driving, actually, and listening to your conversation. About a year and a half ago, I was driving quite early in the morning. It was about 5.45 on Diamond Road. And I noticed a car speeding excessively and it actually pulled up right in front of me and hit the brake. So I had to brake immediately, otherwise I would have run into it. And another car came and then blocked me in and I was petrified. And they got out of their car and I locked my car. And yeah, they started banging on the window, banging on the bonnet and they tried to steal the car. And because it was so early, there wasn't a lot of traffic around, but it seemed like an eternity that this was happening to me. And then finally, traffic started coming in both directions. And then, you know, they realised that, you know, a few cars had stopped and, yeah, they drove off. That is horrific, Mark. And so what what did you do then? Did you drive to the police station or...? Yeah, so then I drove to the nearest place that I could actually pull over and use my phone. Um, uh, And, yeah, I rang up triple zero. And, you know, they took the details and they did get back to me and they said there's been a spate of carjackings and they particularly like Audis and mine was an Audi. And, um, you know, uh, nothing really happened. You know, they didn't find them. But, you know, in in the moment, you know, someone said to me, why didn't you take a photo of their number plate? Mm. But here they are banging on your window and you don't don't know what to do. You're just absolutely fearful. And I I actually, you know, thought to myself after that if that was a woman in the car, I I don't know what would have happened because, you know... uh, you know, obviously, it, they would have just probably thrown her out of the car if they weren't able to lock the door so quickly. But yeah, it's luckily, a, that is just luckily for me, they, they couldn't get in. But I didn't sleep for, for nights. I came home and, you know, my wife looked at me and she said, you look really bad, what happened? And I was like white like a ghost for, for hours. I just thought, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that happen to you, Mark. And if it's any uh, cold comfort, um, this is a shared experience, unfortunately. And I think um, this idea of, you know, well, why didn't you take down the licence plate? I mean, I, I think so few of us would actually think to do that in the moment. But beyond that, what we're getting at here i suppose is whether there are enough deterrents to stop this behavior in the first place we don't just want good ways to report it or good ways to sort of after the fact seek prosecution because once it's happened that trauma can stay with you and that um that discomfort and that's before the idea that it could really escalate uh keely is in west melbourne keely what was your experience uh yes um, I was coming home from a lovely weekend in the country um, up Dalsted Way on the Calder Freeway. And um, there's quite a bit of roadworks happening down there at the moment. So one of the lanes was blocked off. I proceeded to um, get into the right-hand lane and the driver that was just behind me wouldn't let me in. So I had to keep driving forward until I finally came to where... I couldn't move anymore, and then I just squeezed myself in. I could see them in the rear mirror abusing me, mm. and arms waving around. There was a woman um, with her foot up on the dashboard, and then they tailgated me for about, would have been about 30 k's. Wow. Um, I was quite frightened because it was also raining this particular day. 
Um, and then they finally caught up with me. I was in the left, they were in the right, and they were abusing me. And the, she put the window down and spat at my car. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. Their foot, and she was swearing, carrying on. It was really quite aggressive and quite frightening. Oh, absolutely. I, I driving as well. I was on the colder freeway. Yeah. And do you know the thing I've noticed, Keely, is yourself and everyone that has rung through, you remember every small detail and a lot of the times it's happened years and years and years ago this is something that like has a huge impact on you it's yeah i I do remember this horrid look on this woman's face she was so angry you know she was just so angry that i was one car ahead yeah i I can almost see it from now and 30ks is such a long Distance, like that, at a time when probably every minute feels like an hour, yeah. to have 30 k's of that experience kind of playing out is, um, yeah, truly dreadful. So how do we change this? And, I mean, so often we talk about do we need to introduce it into schools and do we need more learning time? But lots of people, even tech, saying I coordinate learn-to-drive programs. Our volunteers are matched with learner drivers to get supervised driving hours in cars. It's provided the program. Cars have signage and L-plates. We also have incidents of abuse and tailgating. It's just such intimidating behaviour. Thank you so much for this program. So do we need to somehow teach how to be better drivers or do we just need to teach each other how to be nicer to each other? Is it just us? Is it just in our heads that it feels like every time we get in the car, we feel like people are angry, they're yelling at us, they're tailgating us, they're following us. It's not just us. It's not just us. I Just watching this text line just continually roll over with experience after experience. Um, there's also an interesting kind of through line for a lot of people about the type of car you're driving and the type of car that you are experiencing mm-hmm. road rage from. I have this weird experience. I'm very lucky in my job that I get to drive around regional Victoria a lot and sometimes I'll hire a car. And often this particular high place that I go to uh, will just somehow only have the smallest possible <laughs> car available, For right? For a tall man, that's great. Yeah, it's really terrific. Um, and so I'll be driving around the country in very, very small hatchbacks with not a lot of power and instantly I can feel the change in the behaviour of drivers behind me simply because I'm a, driving a smaller car that can't go very fast, struggles up hills, thanks again to the hire company, but... Um, you can tell that that's a, a shared experience. Yeah. And for, I, I think I bring it back to for every person who says, well, people need to know you've got to go the speed or you've got to sometimes stay. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you literally can't. And I really don't think that that in the mix of things is the problem. We did a program and please go back through the conversation now. A feed, subscribe, go to the ABC Listen app on big cars and the rise of numbers of big cars on our roads and whether or not that changes your driver behaviour. Many people on the text line then and now Mm. would say yes. So if that's something that you're thinking about at the moment, trust me, it was an incredible program. Go back and have a listen. So what can we do about it? Uh, John Elliott is the Head of Marketing and Program Delivery for Road Safety Education. John, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, Pleasure to be here. (laughs) It's a bit hard to unpack this problem because it's sort of a number of contributing factors, but um, from the work that you do, how how do you think this problem can be addressed? Well, look, I, I think some of the examples that I've heard have been truly horrifying, but they're sort of the most extreme ones, you know, people jumping out of cars and punching and trying to carjack, that's where aggressive road behaviour sort of almost blends into illegal road behaviour, if you will. And that's a a much harder thing to address, but it sort of stems from an extension of just aggressive behaviour. And road rage is an extension of that. And, you know, it's interesting you say how prevalent is it. Over 90% of drivers... Or, um, have experienced some form of road aggression against them. and But also, interestingly, over 45% of drivers have admitted to actually being aggressive on the road. Now, not all of those are going to sort of jump out of the car and, you know, pick a fight and all of those sorts of things. But that, that sort of lighter area of road rage is something that we, we particularly look at 
uh, in terms of driver behaviour within the mm. rider program. There's quite a few texts saying it's not about road rage, it's just about being a good person, it's about having well, manners and that this yeah. is a bigger conversation around yeah. how we feel we can treat each other and if the research from the Monash Accident mm. Research Centre has anything uh, to say about this, it's also too because the last two years have been incredibly stressful. So is it just that mm-hmm. our lives are more stressful and then that's being played out on the roads? Well, I don't know that the lives are being, that it's a function of lives being more stressful because people have always had stress. Um, if anything, you could argue that especially more so than possibly anywhere else on earth, Victorians have sort of demonstrated that you know, when we need to change our behaviour to keep other people alive, we can do it. We may not enjoy every element of it, but COVID's shown that that's what we do. You know, we, we might sort of grumble a bit, but we buckle down, we change our behaviour and we make the, the... And this is a part of of active citizenship and road use, whether you're in a car, but also forget just being drivers. If you're a motorcyclist, a truck driver, if you're a passenger in a car, if you're a, a pedestrian... All of that, um, uh, all of those different areas of road use is an active citizenship role and we need to make sure that we understand the importance that we play, the importance of the role that we have in active citizenship on our roads. Yeah, and I... part of that is, is about uh, understanding two things. One is how our moods impact our behaviour. So, you know, if we get into the car and we're angry because we've just had a fight with mum and dad or something like that, then, uh, then what we end up, what we can do is we're already aggressive. We're, we already have that aggressive mind state before. And then what happens is that colours our vision of everything we see. So if you see somebody going a little bit slower, on another day you'd see that and you would ignore it completely. But because you're now in this active, or if you're stressed because you're running late, so all of these, all of these areas are um, a part of. people's mind state approaching to driver. And then there's the other part, which is the empathy that we should have around other road users. And we can develop that by seeing the road use from the perspective of other road users. So if we understand the challenge that a truck driver has in coming to a stop or in, you know, the speed, the, the, the distance they need to take a tight corner, if we get that, then we can accommodate that into our own actions and we tend... And then we're less likely to to do what psychologists call othering. That's right. And John Elliott, thank you so much. Head of Marketing and Program Delivery for Road Safety Education. So many people, Jeremy, have said similar things, like think about the person that's in the car. And then the other thing is, how does it actually help, right? How does getting angry and aggressive help? But then the impact of how you act can have huge we've heard today people's reliving things and still you can hear it in their voice breaking down into tears i mean listen to this this is like another level again i was abused and eventually confronted in a shop by a guy i accidentally cut off he king hit me from behind and my life changed forever he was charged and he was convicted for grievous bodily harm I still struggle with it 20 years later. Yeah, and uh, in another text was a woman who's saying that someone who followed them right to their very driveway and um, yelled at the side of the car. That The tricky thing with all this, and we have actually probably read out some of the more and heard from callers on the more extreme end, yes. and yet for every one of those calls, because we started the show just talking about the more general cutting off or gesticulating, but for every of the the really serious incidents, there's clearly thousands of of just everyday uh, everyday moments. Um, James Williams is the head of policy for the RACV. James, I imagine a lot of this is probably not much uh, surprise to you, but um, what can be done about it? What do you, from the RACV perspective, what because there's so many interconnected parts of this issue. It's certainly a very complex issue, Jeremy, and we know that unsafe road use behaviour like road rage uh, is a significant problem and it's it's not going away. I think from, from RACV's perspective, we're telling our, our members that it's just really important that if you do find yourself in a situation like that, uh, there's some very practical things to do uh, to keep yourself safe. Uh, so that's things like getting out of the way of the vehicle that's causing the problem Don't make eye contact uh, with the driver. Um, Contact the authorities in those very extreme situations uh, and being able to identify things like the the make and model of the car and the licence plate number. 
uh, as well as your location and direction of travel. I mean, that's for the more extreme cases. But I think that's important to, to keep in mind, even though it might be a very emotional experience. Uh, trying to hold on to those sorts of details is, is very helpful because it can be a criminal uh, situation you find yourself in. And what about preventative measures, though? So we, you know, we have talked quite a lot about um, what you do if you're experiencing that, but what sort of, from a policy level, um, deterrence mm. could better be uh, put in place so that people aren't actually having to experience this in the first place? So there's a range of factors, I think, and, and, and John spoke earlier about underlying emotional issues and, and uh, aggressive behaviours that, that might have nothing to do with how you're driving, and, and we understand that. But it's also about the, the road infrastructure and, and really the safer and the calmer a road experience uh, can only support reducing road rage and aggressive behaviours. So things like, and we've got a, a survey out at the moment, My Melbourne Road, uh, where people can pinpoint on a map issues that they're facing, including road safety behaviours as well as infrastructure. That's good to know. But it's really, yeah, but it's really interesting to see how they dovetail into each other. So we find situations where a lane suddenly ends or a very complex uh, intersection with a roundabout or rat runs through your neighbourhood. Uh, these are not calm and safe road environments yeah. and they're lending themselves to, to, to that uh, sort of and we all road. have those intersections that we avoid like the plague and there's nothing worse than all of a sudden finding yourself on route to one where you're like oh no i'm gonna end up at that roundabout where it coincides with train lines and all sorts of things so that's my melbourne roads james williams thanks so much for your time the head of policy for the racv rochelle hunt and jeremy story carter been with you this hour huge apologies to calls and to tech that we didn't get through. And I do feel like I say that all the time, but I'm no, genuinely... No, we see you today. We, yeah. cause, and, cause we it, sit it back and we read through the text. So if we didn't read your text out, we go through them and we read them because sometimes, and lots of people say, they've had to relive some pretty awful stuff. And can I just say, Rich, that there are all these um, individual parts of this issue, so whether it's speed limits, whether it's poor quality roads, large cars, all these sorts of things, but I, I really do feel like we've got to the point that it really can also be reduced down to individual behaviour and this idea of uh, trying to you know, empathise. Think of that person who might have frustrated you as actually, well, imagine if that was your family member. Are you really going to, do you really need to go up behind them? And How does it you? help? How does it help? How does it help? Jeremy Story Carter, as always, thank you. Thank you. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Take care.